slips, jail time, snorting a cocaine line, racist tweets, family beefs, a royal leaves, Kanye, fake attack, racist rants, Botox and implants, shoplifting spree, punch a paparazzi, unexpected pregnancy, not your best moment. Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Your Best Moment. I am Keith Skopinich, along with Andrew Harris and Phoebe Matana and a special guest, Nora Schmidt, comedian. You can see her around New York City. She's got a show coming up on Wednesday at Selena in Chelsea. It's called Comedy <laughs> at the Den, so go make sure you check her out on Wednesday. And how you doing, Nora? Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm such a Yay. huge fan of the show. I really, I love the show, you guys. Aww, you have to say you. that, right? Because you're on the show. <laughs> I have to say it. Where's, where's my where's my $20, Keith? <laughs> I'm sending it through mail. It might never get there. So what today we're going to do is Nora has a special skill that Andrew, Phoebe, and I don't have, and that she's able to read. Um, <laughs> so she read the book, Prince Harry's book, Spare, and she's going to help us Break it down. Tell us all the important information and go from there. So Phoebe, uh, sorry, not Phoebe, Nora, your general impression of this book. Like what was your overall impression? My overall impression. By the way, first, I have to I have to correct for the record. I listened to it on audiobook first. Oh, I listened to it on audiobook, all 15 (laughs) hours and 39 minutes of it. But don't oh, worry, I did, I did, and I'm not proud to admit this, I, d- I did buy the book. So I have I have also read the book. Nora, I'm so impressed. <laughs> I've never been able to listen to a man talk for 15 hours straight. <laughs> it, it was so long, you guys. It was so long. And I listened to it on like 1.5 speed. That's <laughs> fair. You're a hero, though. What a hero. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's worth it? Do you think it's worth the purchase? or? 110%. Worth the purchase. I cannot remember the last time I laughed so hard. <laughs> Not a comedy so book. often. I was cracking up in public, audibly heaving. I mean, <laughs> this book is 10 out of 10. Does I'm really glad get better? It. Does his diction get better if you listen to it faster? <laughs> <laughs> he does sound a little bit more high-pitched faster. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad that you actually bought the physical copy, though, because now it'll be on your bookshelf. And now when anyone's like, oh, you've actually read Spare, you can do your spiel. Exactly. Although I will be honest with you, I felt like I when I was reading it on the subway, I took the book jacket off because I was embarrassed. I didn't want yeah. people to see that I was <laughs> I reading that. I, I've read I've read books by the same author on um, the Queen and now King Charles. And they were def- there were definitely moments when I was, especially the one with the Queen. We can, it's just this like soft, you know, picture of her from the like fifties on the cover, and I'm like, I don't want people to see me reading this. <laughs> uh, but I think I think the books that I read are by and large source material for the Crown because very little in the Crown actually surprises me because um, I've 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 read it and they they hit all the points. But I have to say, Nora, before you get into it, when you when you read in the the Prince Charles biography, two things. Number one, the account of quote tampon gate. Reading those words is genuinely shocking. Like, and it's and it's hilarious. Um, of what of what Charles and Camilla's phone sex is. It's outrageous. It's but the other hilarious. thing is the author. The author makes a point of pointing out how uneducated Camilla is. 
and how she got very bad grades in school and because you know her whole thing was like well she's gonna be a rich you know lord's wife she doesn't need to be very smart and the <laughs> i think it's sally beetlesmith is, is the author she keeps talking about how Camilla's kind of dim and not very bright. She certainly does seems... not come off well in this book. Yeah. Harry is not a fan of his stepmom, Camilla. Well, it seems like he also just generally has a lot of mommy issues to begin with. He has a lot of mommy issues, which, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Phoebe, because I think the first caveat that I want to make before I say anything about Harry's book is that this man has definitely experienced some very real trauma. I will not, I will not discount that. Like I have no idea what it's like to lose your mom when you're so young and, you know, to, to live the life that he has led. But as far as I'm concerned, it's open season on this dude right now because he has really laid it out there. I'll just chime in with like, I, I did lose a parent when I was, I, I lost my father when I was eight years old. Um, and I have I have a tremendous amount of sympathy for them insofar as, number one, it's very difficult. Number two, when you're very young, you tend to process those emotions when you're older. For me, it was college. Of course, I was going to acting school where you're supposed to dig up all that shit anyways. Um, that's when I started smoking. And uh, it's true. And, and then to have, because the, the worst part about it when you're a kid is to have a dead parent be the thing that singles you out. You know what I mean? And so to have that, like, mark you for the rest of your life, like, that's a very uncomfortable sort of place to live in. That said, most people do get right <laughs> get right with it by the time they reach adulthood. You know what I mean? You do, you do eventually process it and you, you know, you move on. One thing that's really was actually quite touching in the book um, was that Harry talks a lot about how for a long time, very long time, he couldn't process that his mother had actually died. And so he he spends a lot of time um, talking about how he kind of wove this tale in his head that she had just disappeared and that she had kind of run away and hidden from everybody. And that was that was sad. I mean, there is some stuff in here where it really does break your heart. Um, and then he says something stupid and you you were reminded why you dislike the man. So I think my therapist has this expression where she says, you know, why can't it be both? Right. She's like, so that's how I feel about Harry's book. Why can't it be both? You know, you feel bad for some of the stuff he's gone through and that he's experienced while also being like, you are just a loathsome whiny boy. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say that sounds like me when I'm going to go to a bar and try to decide between a beer and a shot. Why can't it be both? Why can't it be both? <laughs> well, it kind of sounds like what what he's trying to do with his life right now. Like, why can't it be both? You know what I mean? Like, what? Why can't I air all my family's dirty laundry and still be royal? What's going on? I don't understand. <laughs> all right, so let's let's dive into this because Nora, you gave me an outline, and apparently this is broken down into three parts: part one, the childhood; part two, the military; and then part three, where he's introduced to Meghan Markle. Um, so. Part one, like, what is, like, the synopsis of the childhood? Is a lot of di dealing with Princess Diana? What what type of stuff did he disclose in that section? Yeah, so that's definitely my favorite part of the book. Um, and he does talk, you know, he talks a lot about his mom, um, but he also just tells really kind of bizarre and seemingly inconsequential stories. Um, that's the other thing about this book is, like, the chapters are, like, a page and a half long. And some of them are literally just like, one time I saw a fox. <laughs> I really so like going to Africa. <laughs> Pardon me? 
<laughs> so it reads like the Da Vinci Code? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much, actually. Um, but, you know, I, I think he talks a lot about his feelings of from, from the time that he was a young child, he felt inadequate. And that's when you start getting these comparisons. You know, the air and the spare concept comes up very quickly where he's like, I was essentially just born to give my brother a kidney. But you also get a lot of poor little rich boy vibes during that section. I mean, he talks about how bedroom was never as nice as his brother's bedroom. And he couldn't figure out why, but he didn't care. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. But he did mention it in his book. So he obviously cares a little bit. (laughs) 30 some years later, still upset about that. Um, There's some interesting stuff about his time at his uh, his various prep schools. There's one story I thought was really funny, actually. He talks about, and this goes back, Phoebe, to the, the, the kind of the mother issue stuff. They, as I think is pretty common in these, you know, upper echelon royal families, they send their kids away to very posh boarding schools, and they're um, more or less raised by their headmasters and headmistresses, right? And he has several chapters about kind of how maternal yet how hot the the ladies were who took care of the kids at school and how they used to um uh they would give them baths they would they would bathe them um every night and he writes about and this this is almost an exact quote he's like after washing the young boy's hair they would give you a long luxurious soak it was confusing as hell <laughs> it's oh just my like God. Some pretty cringy sex stuff, yeah. Oh my god. That's so just like that is so unnecessary. And also I love that these little details that he's sharing, the only thing that they provide and add oh, to the conversation sure. is dude, you're weird. I guess my question is, were they doing that to him because he was a prince? Or was that just like the regular experience for upper class boys in boarding school? Like, is that just what it was? Cause if so, then I don't know. <laughs> That sounds pretty good. I'm not going to yeah. lie. That sounds pretty good. I, I would take a I wish I was one stuff. of them. What? Like, Who said that? It, it, isn't it weird that like your teacher bathes you? Right? <laughs> that seems so, so nice. strange to me. It's like, can you imagine your first grade teacher's like, all right, <laughs> get in the bathtub. Ew. Oh, God. Your teacher no. didn't do that no. to you, Keith? Is that not normal? I think the only problem with this. No, just the priest. Oh, um, oh no. <laughs> 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 Just getting started, Phoebe. Ooh, this took a turn. Honestly, we're we're talking about Prince Harry and his buddies getting bathed by their teachers in a bathtub at school. And like Keith didn't make the turn. Harry did. (laughs) I think it just it just shows like what how exorbitant wealth is, like like how like over the top it is. Like it's crazy to even imagine that. Like I can't ever think about being sent to a boarding school and then you're literally (laughs) being pampered like that yeah. at your school it's insane i used to dream about it <laughs> i wanted to go to board i was like yes put me in a little suit let's go i want to you know what i mean i want to be a little wall street journal little motherfucker never too late andrew <laughs> yeah well um there's also some really interesting stuff in that section some like some fun stuff about just what it's like to kind of come of age in the royal family he talks about they have this tradition or this this kind of branding, I shouldn't call it, a, this isn't an axiom, but 
um, like, uh, <laughs> uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Com- the coming of age ceremony, right? Where you okay. you kill your first stag. And so he goes out and he, to kill to a, a deer, right? Oh, like, a, like a rite of passage, basically. That's exactly the word I was looking for. Yeah, okay. rite of passage. Um, but after they, after you kill the deer, um, you cut it open and they stick your head in it. And what? so, honest to God, so they stick your head in what? the deer's innards, and, <laughs> and and you come out and he. So he talks about how he did that. And he comes out and he wants to wipe everything off of his face. But the leader that he or the the hunter that he's with is like, no, no, we don't wipe it off. Like as a sign of respect to the animal, you let it dry. What? And he comes back victorious. And then he talks about how like really beautiful this thing was that he did because now he's going to feed the entire village. And oh, he, he also kept down the deer population. So he was really helping the, the hunters and the deer. So he is a hero. I feel like. Prince Harry got sold a bill of goods right there. <laughs> they were definitely screwing with him. They're like, hey, put your head in here. Bunch of bullies threw his head in the deer. And then like to say that he fed the whole village, like yep. <laughs> he lives in England. <laughs> well, no, wait. Yeah, no. How big was this deer? That's what I want to know. I cannot believe I'm defending this. It does make sense because essentially uh, Balmoral, it's a vast, it's a personal estate that for all intents and purposes functions as a national park. And, you know, you do have to cull the deer population. But, you know, I don't think these people sold Harry a bill of goods. These people have been sold the same bill of goods going back hundreds of years. They just have never considered in the modern era whether or not that's appropriate or sanitary or wise. Weird. The other favorite favorite story. I mean, there's so many favorite stories, you guys. It's really, really hard to narrow them down. But um, the fish biro. I don't know if you guys have read it all about the the fish biro. Yes, and so this this kind of fits in with the Prince uh, Harry is is a poor little rich boy uh, narrative. He talks about how he never had a great relationship with his aunt, um, Princess Margaret, and uh, one Christmas. They did actually exchange gifts, and she gave him a fish biro, which, of course, everybody's like, what the F is a fish biro? Well, biro is a pen, um, and it was wrapped in a fish, which I've scoured the internet. I have no idea what this actually means, if it means that there, there was a sticker of a fish or a if it was in the shape of a fish. I have no idea, but it was a fish biro. It was in a fish carcass, wasn't it? It was in a fish carcass. It's a, a pen inside it's a pen a sushi carcass. roll. It feels like a mafia say, threat. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it was like um, a sushi roll, but I like yours better. But he didn't like the pen. He said the gift was cold-blooded. He said the gift was cold-blooded. Prince Harry didn't like his Christmas present. Ew. <laughs> is, is, that, is that the whole story? That he's like, I didn't like it. Tragedy strikes. That is the chapter. Can you, can you imagine being the editor for this the book tragedy like, that has just unfolded? Leave it in. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, ugh, I, I mentions another royal. That's two royals. Oh, okay. What do I say? He's a prince, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. The reason that they leave it in is if it mentions at least two royals, they must Anne, leave though, it in. I was in. really hoping you were going to say Princess Anne. That's it. <laughs> you know, there's not too much about Princess Anne in here. Which is funny because the the rumors going around the internet 
Anne is one of the um, chief opponents to Harry and Meghan attending the coronation because they're afraid like the the fear is now that if he shows up to the coronation then he'll spill more dirty secrets that he learns mm-hmm. from the coronation afterwards what, why ever would they think that i i don't know it's not like anyone who's written a book hasn't written a second uh fergie if you just want to look at precedent of castaway royals it, it's it, one of the things that people keep laughing about is the fact that like he didn't talk about her in the first one he's probably not going to talk about her in the second one that's fair i also feel like I thought that the reason was because they thought they would draw attention and they would take attention away from the actual coronation, which in fairness probably would happen a little bit. That is that is one of the knocks that's being said, and there was a fear of that too for the Queen's funeral. Um, and same thing with the uh, the trooping of the color and the Queen's birthday celebrations and the, the, it was the 70th anniversary of her reign back in June. That's why they're making rules like only active royals can go onto the balcony and be, you know, that public. There's because they don't there is a genuine concern of Harry and Meghan upstaging the rest of the proceedings and the rest Which of the is, family. It's and, just so ridiculous, Andrew, because they clearly don't want attention and they just want to be, you know, out of the spotlight and out of the public eye. They've just had enough. They've I don't had enough. I, yeah, you think? <laughs> My sarcasm is not is is not uh, uh, obvious. I wonder, I wonder how Oprah and Netflix <laughs> feel, feel about that. They're they're very private people who are very begrudgingly being very very detailed. Just leave them people. alone. Just leave them alone. Okay, they don't want your they don't want the press. That's it. They're gonna go on and do a a press yeah. oppressor yes. for not wanting to be. Yeah. Interviewed that's by the, the press. That's the problem I have when I when I consume a lot of media about them is you know especially when it's direct from from them, you know the sense you get is like wait I don't understand <laughs> like you if you stop talking to the press things will quiet down I mean yeah. like you know it, it it happens all the time like Prince Andrew hasn't talked about that much you know he, he keeps coming up a little bit here and there but it's not, you know like the scandal has has ebbed like if you stop putting yourself out there the it it will ebb. You know what I mean? Like this, these things have, have a, you know, a half-life. And so will their deals with Netflix and their interviews and their relevance. No, but I want to hear Meghan Markle's take on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'm, I'm sure it's super insightful. Uh, I have no transition for this. Meghan played a lawyer, so there's, there's a connection there. There's a connection. She played a lawyer on Suits, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg obviously was the law, so it's a natural connection. Paralegal. Speaking of the law, speaking of the law, let's 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 talk about Prince Harry's time in the military because that there it seems like the only interesting part of that is is a frostbite story, and I need yeah. to know all the details about that. Yeah, so I'll be honest. Part two, I found pretty boring. That I think I listened to on uh, on on double speed, maybe. Um, <laughs> and I did a lot of. That's where I did the most skimming when I went back and read the actual book. I find it pretty boring. I mean, main takeaways from part two is if you ask Prince Harry, he is a war hero who has never harmed anyone who did not deserve it and wow (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a military frat boy really is what it's 100 i mean um and he's he's gotten a lot of he's actually gotten like quite a bit of flack for this but he yeah he he claims to know the exact number of people that he killed in combat and when he is thinking through like 
kind of reconciling with the fact that he did kill people in combat and he has had, you know, these experiences. He's like, this is a quote I wrote down. It was really just simple maths. There were bad people doing bad things to our guys, doing bad things to the world. <laughs> so we can all thank Prince Harry. Oh. <laughs> what I will say at the very least is like, it probably was pretty awful to just have killed people and to have to live with that fact. What did he think? He asked to go. <laughs> like he, like he literally was like, I'm not to his credit, I guess. Um, you know, he didn't want to just be like, cause a, a lot of Royals do military service. Cause you're as a service to the country. That's the whole, the whole thing is that it's essentially public service if you like, but he, you know, most of them, ironically, only other Prince Andrew is the only other one who's actually seen combat, you know, in the, in the modern era before that it was prince philip in world war ii and prince andrews was in the fucking falklands you know it's not like there wasn't you know charles didn't fight in vietnam nobody nobody went to korea you know in 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 the family and most of them like are in it for like a year or two and they have you know they have relatively easy posts so to his credit he was like no i want to go i want to go where the action is and actually do something but I guess my question is, well, what did you think doing something meant? Of course, of course, if you're going to be in combat, you're going to kill people. Right. Yeah. Probably didn't know. Is. Well, he doesn't have a problem with it. He's he's oh. he's proud of. I think he's proud of his time in the military. He's quite proud of his time in the military, actually. You you said that he killed what like twenty? He said he claims to have killed twenty five people. That's, yeah. Well, I, I keep thinking of him like <laughs> putting his head in another deer body and then like acting <laughs> like he's Rambo. <laughs> it's like I killed 25 people you don't it's know horrifying. what I've seen part, part it two like, this is like Wes Anderson quality to it too where it's like you can imagine like he has a private secretary with him like on you know on the combat field and be like that's one mark it down you know what I mean like write this over the book I want I want Jason Schwartzman to play Harry we got one that's, that's what I like want catching fish <laughs> Um, he it, it, part two is where his his frostbitten todger comes up though which i think everybody knows about now um but is is probably everybody's favorite part of this book what was he doing i guess i just Favorite's remind me of the details of this because like what was he doing when that happened he was he was waving his he was waving his todger around in the in in the north pole or was it the <laughs> was south he really? <laughs> no, <laughs> um, it's not good that I can't remember what? What, what one of the poles is colder than the other, right? I think it was the North Pole. I think it was the North Pole. I think the North one is. <laughs> <laughs> Harry's like, hey guys, you want to see the windmill? <laughs> He's just whipping it out. And <laughs> <Again, laughs> <then. laughs> I get the impulse. I do. Like, I can have nightmares about I mean? that. Like, it's kind of a neat thing. Like, one time, me and my buddy were in DC. And we had to pee, and it was night, so we peed on the National Mall. I'm sorry, Park Service, but we did because all the bathrooms are closed because it closed at fucking eight o'clock, and people go see the monuments at night. I'm sorry, I apologize, America. I was not trying to be disrespectful, but there was something about it. it was like, hey, you know what I mean? It was kind of wicked. So he was not he was not actually waving his todger around. He was just he was just trudging through through the cold. But I don't think he was appropriately uh, outfitted for it and and apparently he he came to learn i i guess that some of these men actually have like a special um underwear that they 
wear that that helps keep their um, their bits protected. And he didn't have that. So, but of course, when he comes back and he's got this frostbitten, his penis is all frostbitten. That leads to um, him needing to take care of it with uh, Elizabeth Arden lip cream. Uh, which was the lip cream that his his mother used on uh, her own lips. And so he writes about how he, as soon as he opened the can of the cream, (laughs) sorry, the can of the cream. Phoebe and Andrew are covering their faces. I know. (laughs) As soon as he opens the lip balm, he immediately thinks about his mom and he says um, that he felt like his mom was in the room with him. He was immediately taken. Please stop. The spirit of Princess Diana healing his wanker. I want to see if I can find find the quote. (laughs) That's crazy. Wait, I know this is totally unrelated. What's a smell that reminds you of your parents? Whiskey. <laughs> reminds me of my dad. <laughs> my mom loves making pinto beans, so that smell probably. <laughs> I don't think I have a smell itself, but I have the idea of a smell is onions because my mom can't stand the smell of onions. And it was like forbidden that we cook them in the house because it was just she's like a super smeller. So it was like, no cooking onions. Otherwise, if you did, you had to like open the windows and it would just be a whole thing. So I have the association of a smell with my family, but not an actual smell. Here's the quote. I found the quote. I found a tube. And the minute I opened it, the smell transported me through time. I felt as if my mother was right there in the room. Oh, oh boy. While he's rubbing this stuff on his penis. Harry, yeah. oh, not everything man. has to go in the book, but I didn't need to know that. <laughs> and we know it's supposed to be a tell-all, but don't tell all. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are things that are just for you. <laughs> That's one of them. <laughs> so let, let, let's let's move past this Todger bit <laughs> and let's talk about all what he writes about uh, Meghan Markle. Like what what good tidbits did you get out of that, Nora? Yeah, so given that I'm really talking about the funniest parts here, I think my favorite parts about the Meghan Markle story is just that he really goes into great detail about these insane bats and feuds that he and Meghan had with William and Kate. And just like the level of pettiness that you see between these siblings is... In a way, it's very relatable, but it's, it's also just like, again, it just doesn't all have to go in the book, right? By the way, I thought this is funny. This is like a quick aside. Um, William calls Prince Harry Harold, which is funny because Harry's full name is Henry. Yeah. Harold is not his name, even in long form. So oh. I, <laughs> I think that cracked me up every time I saw it. But I mean, the types of the types of things that they're fighting about are like Harry and Meghan didn't give William and Kate Easter presents, and William and Kate were very upset about that. Um, oh and <laughs> Meghan and Harry were very upset that William and Kate moved place cards at 
Harry and Meghan's wedding. So they were at the only table that didn't have couples sitting together because they moved the place cards. And this created quite a bit of feud between them. At one point, Kate doesn't let Megan borrow her lip gloss. So uh, there's a lot of <laughs> tension there. <laughs> and how dare Megan ask Kate to borrow her lip oh. gloss? How very American. Oh, boy. What the fuck are these people? What the fuck? What? I can't. No. It, uh, I, I'm with you, Andrew. Speechless. Absolutely speechless. It's more than speechless. I just feel defeated. It's sort of like, you know what? Burn it down. Let the pandemic. We don't deserve this beautiful earth. <laughs> Here's the thing. You know what? That's how you know that that little anecdote, the fact that it was in this book just tells me that Harry is a royal. Nothing tells me more than that anecdote, because if that is, quote unquote, important enough to put in, that's it. You have to be a certain level of self-important Oh, and so, so, so famous to be able to put that in the book and actually have people read it. This whole book is is 407 pages of self-important bullshit. It's that long? <laughs> Am I allowed to swear on the podcast? Sorry, you can bleep it. Oh, God. How cognizant is he of how not just different, but privileged he is? And I guess more than that, just like. I guess no, different is the right word. The differences between a quote-unquote normal upbringing. I mean, I guess there's lots of other rich Britons who were bathed by their teachers at school, and that's fine. How self-aware do you think he is? I don't think he's very self-aware at all. There's one portion in the book, one sentence in the book, where he says something to the effect of, um, a lot of boys and girls dream of being a prince or a princess. And, you know, it, it wasn't all that bad. But let me tell you about how absolutely horrible it was. Uh, that's the most self-aware you see him. I mean, he is very, he is huge victim complex here. Um, and really, like, nothing is this guy's fault. Nothing is his fault. Right down yeah. to the, the Nazi costume. Like he blames <laughs> he blames Kate and William for picking that out for him. He uh, that, that I don't understand. I don't get that. Like, how do you like blame that on someone else? Even if like they like dre- put set it down for you, like, hey, we got you this really cool Nazi <laughs> costume. Could, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to try it on? <laughs> you still have to put it on. Yeah, at a certain <laughs> point, you have to agree to be like, okay, yes, I'll wear this, and you know. And I'm a public figure. This is fine, right? Nora, how old was he when this happened? When he wore the Nazi uniform? I don't know exactly, but I mean, he had to have been in his mid-20s. Yeah. Yeah, that's the point, is he's a full-ass adult, you know? Like, this wasn't like a 12-year-old putting on a Nazi outfit because their big brother was like, yo, you should do this. It was like a graduate of the Sandhurst Military Academy. Like, he was at, he was 20 years old when he wore the Nazi costume. Yeah, that would have, I think that would have put him in military school at that point. At the, yeah. For those who are crazy, Sandhurst is essentially Britain's um, West Point. Yeah, that makes sense. Gotcha. For those who are unawares. So what were some of the so so what were some of the fights that like between I because I, I think there was a fight between Prince Harry and William at one point in the book. The physical one. Yeah, physical <laughs> one. 
Yeah. Oh, please tell us about yeah, that. There was, there is a physical fight in the book. So more or less, William comes to Harry and says, Megan is difficult and she is hard to be around and people don't like her and you got to get rid of her. And William, uh, according to Harry, comes at Harry and pushes him. Harry falls down. Um, he hits his back on the uh, porcelain dog bowl, which shatters. <laughs> might have been ceramic. It might have been ceramic. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that sentence. Bone China. It was bone China. <laughs> the bone China dog bowl reminded me of my mother and how she used to lap up a soup. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was that dog bull. Oh, what? Nice. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nice. We, like they. I, 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 did you? I don't know if you guys remember this from from the wedding, or if you even watched it. I did. Andrew is really the royal expert here. No, you read the book, so you're a royal expert too. If, and I know you're a longtime listener, so you know that casually reading an article online makes you a royal expert, <laughs> according to any publication in the world, which is bonkers. But if you saw the wedding, uh, you know, it was infused with a lot of Megan, too. They kept saying that. Right. And that's why um, the the head of the U.S. Well, I guess I guess it's global. But the head of the, the Episcopal Church was, you know, was I guess Episcopalians are Americans. I don't really know how that works. <laughs> Anyways, he was you know, he was sort of the coefficient, um, you know, and they had that that gospel choir and all this stuff. But like if you look, if you watch it um, when all of the Megan stuff is going on. <laughs> The royal, the royals are laughing at it. Uh, Zara Tyndall, um, who's Anne's daughter, um, like she's cracking up throughout almost the entire service. Like they cannot believe what they are watching. I don't think they ever took her seriously, but I guess to the same token, it, I don't know if she ever really took the monarchy seriously. And whether or not that's a good idea or a bad idea is a discussion for another time. She says she tried. But you see, and like the the way Harry tells it, like fighting over fucking lip gloss, like really, you, you like that doesn't seem the pettiness of their arguments seem. This whole thing just seems so small. You know what I mean? For yeah, people who are for sure. who are on such a large stage, and can, can you kind of go into more about Megan and and what he says about Megan and their her relationship with the rest of the family? Oh sure, yeah, and and one thing I'll say is that I mean I I do not discount for one second the the racism that um, Megan must have experienced. Harry is less overt with the, with the family's racism than he is with the presses, but I think that it is definitely there. Well, let's be clear too. I mean, like, it's not like the U S is the only country with a race problem. It's just a little more under the covers in Britain. But I mean, race was the whole fucking subtext of Brexit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like um, they just didn't want Brown people coming into their country and, Taking her jobs, but like in British, it's it, it was the, it was the same essential principle. Yeah. So most of the conversation about Meghan is really centered around the press and what the press did to her, and the fact that Harry felt his family did not stand up publicly enough to support Meghan and to defend Meghan against the press, which I think. It also goes to just how self-important and self-aggrandizing this whole book is because there is just 
yes, the press hounded them. I can't even imagine what it's like to be um, hunted by paparazzi and chased down, but also just like everyone in his family kept being like, look, dude, like stop reading the coverage. You know what I mean? Like just let it go. And Harry and Meghan are obsessed with it. They are obsessed with the press coverage. They're reading it constantly, you know, trying to like do whack-a-mole with every single inaccurate story. And um, that's the biggest stuff with Meghan. I mean, that and and that she, just like Harry, can't, do, she can do nothing wrong. She's the nicest woman in the world. She shares all of her clothes and her makeup and her lip gloss and (laughs) you know everybody's her best friend and um i remember seeing an interview with a a british paparazzo before their wedding um and there was something to do with like they had really kept photographers at a much further away distance than you know i think than with william and kate's wedding and then was was usual and this guy, this photographer, was so upset about it. He's like, well, you know, what you mean? We watched him grow up, and now to have him push us away, it's awful. The, the, the paparazzos themselves took it personal. And so there is a sense of, I think, they're, they're enacting their revenge on him for trying to have his privacy, which five, six years ago, you would have had the sympathy, I think, a little bit more for Harry on that side. And now, 100%. Yeah, now it's sort of like, Oh, you're still playing the paparazzi game. You just want the upper hand. Okay. Then now you're just essentially down in the mud with them, basically. One of my, um, I feel like I keep saying one of my favorite things. And I've said that like 13 times because there's, I have so many favorite things about this book. But um, Harry is very intentional about his statements on the press and, um, names names without naming names and uh he there's one reporter in particular and he's like I'm not gonna tell you what her name is I would never do that it's beneath me but it's an anagram for rehabber cooks and the (laughs) the woman's actual name is Rebecca uh like Rebecca Crooks and it's like how are we like oh we didn't we didn't know (laughs) wink wink that that's who you were talking about please tell me he did that's Rebecca Brooks Rebecca Brooks is her real name that's so middle school you are kidding right he wrote I won't tell you her name but here's an anagram of her name yes the anagram of her name is Rehabber Cooks which she thinks is very funny because she wrote a story about him having to go to rehab when he was in high school which was which was false. Um, and her real name is Rebecca Brooks. How were we ever supposed to figure that out? It was a out? mystery that could have never been solved. Oh my God. <laughs> so crazy. Oh God. I know. This is high school. This is high school. Back to Megan though. This, this, uh, I can't wait to hear the groans <laughs> about this one, but he does talk about how smart she is <laughs> and how he's so intimidated by her knowledge. And he talks about how she's cultured and she's worldly after she tells him that she read Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> Nothing says culture like Eat, Pray, Love. They're trying That's to amazing. find a time to get together during the summer. And she says, you know, I have a really busy summer. I'm doing the Eat, Pray, Love thing. <laughs> and he's like, oh, what's that? And she explains to him Eat, Pray, Love. And he's like, I'm not. 
She was cultured. She was well-read. She was <laughs> smart. Wait, not like me. I'm not one of the books. It took her whole summer? I'm, I'm, I'm very busy. I'm doing Eat, Pray, Love this summer. I, <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like when someone's trying to shoo you off and like, okay, maybe this isn't going to work out. If a woman told me, oh, I, you know, I'd love to hang out with you next week, but I'm doing the whole Eat, Pray, Love thing, I'd be like, message received <laughs> moving right along you know what i mean like obviously you want to let me down in a cheap transparent way i get it copy moving right along <laughs> not harry <laughs> harry's like oh yeah brilliant <laughs> so, so so culture let's 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 recap this uh nora so if you had one other story that you wanted to hit upon before we leave before we eat pray love this bitch <laughs> What would you want to bring up? That's a tough one. I think because it sums the whole book up in a nice nutshell that Harry tells us that the day after his relationship with Meghan Markle went public in the press, it was the apocalypse. <laughs> may may I read? <laughs> Phoebe's covering in her, her face. <laughs> it, here's the thing, Nora. You've really, you've really enlightened us to the fact that this whole story is so much more cringe than we thought it was. Um, and it's true, so lest we forget, I'm a royal expert. Um, you know, because I've talked about it on a podcast twice, um, technically three times. May may I may I, uh, if you'll permit me, read this one quote, um, Nora, that you supplied in your in your breakdown as Harry. I'd really oh, please do. Uh, there, I should point out there are two quotes. One of them is about his todger, and I'm not going to read that one because I just fucking can't. <laughs> Whatever the cause, my memory is my memory. It does what it does, gathers and curates as it sees fit. And there's just as much truth in what I remember and how I remember it as there is in so-called objective facts. Things like chronology and cause and effect are often just... <laughs> fuck are often just fables we tell ourselves about the past. The past is never dead. It's not even past. When I discovered the quotation not long ago on, on brainyquote.com I was unstruck. <laughs> oh my god. That's amazing. That, that so is my funny. favorite quote in the entire book. Brainyquote dot com wow, that is insane this is this is the guy though that thought reading eat pray love meant you were well read so <laughs> i suppose this shouldn't be a surprise <laughs> the whole the whole point in 2023 and let's let's even scoot it back to 2020 when they decided to get on out of there the whole fucking point of the monarchy is to promote charitable fucking causes, which is what they want to do now separately. They could have just done that, and they would have had a much larger microphone and access to much more resources. It does not make sense to me that they left. It blows my fucking mind. Except now when I read that quote, I get it. These two are not the brightest. <laughs> so, uh, Nora, I have a question. Uh, if you could sum this this entire book up for anyone that is considering reading it, what would be your TLDR version? Yeah, my TLDR. Can I read you my little book review? Oh, wow. My very we got short a book, book review yes, that I please. wrote. 
Okay, TLDR. Clocking in at 407 pages, 15 hours and 39 minutes on audio, Spare reminds us that no one is ever the villain in their own story. <laughs> self-important, self-indulgent, and self-serving, Spare is so cringeworthy, it will have you screaming, what the actual fuck, again and again, 10 out of 10, would recommend. <laughs> there we go. I think this has been... Prince Harry's not best moment, and I want to thank an anagram of a person, Acorn Miss, <laughs> uh, for coming on the show. Also goes by Nora Schmidt. You can see her all over New York performing stand-up uh, and I think other stuff, musical stand-up as well. Guys, this has been Not Your Best Moment. Thank you so much, Nora. We appreciate you coming on. and. We'll Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time. Nip slips, jail time, snorting a cocaine line, racist tweets, family beefs, a royal leaves, Kanye, fake attack, racist rant.